You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 38. The Walk. A dog-eared theatre programme from August 1975 for a show at the Shaw Theatre on Euston Road in London. It has somehow survived countless house moves during the ensuing 48 years, and for want of knowing where to store it, the programme sits between two hardback books on my shelf. What did you do for your 16th birthday? Go on an underage pub crawl? Have a party? Lose your virginity? Do you even remember back that far? When I first got round to telling my friends how I spent my first coming of age, I got the kind of bemused looks that made me wish I'd either lied or remained stumm. With hindsight, I had no reason to be embarrassed, because I spent the evening of Wednesday the 6th of August 1975 at the Shaw Theatre, watching Max Wall in his one-man show. We don't hear much about Max Wall now. 33 years after his death, the world has moved on, and to be fair, most comedians, even legendary ones, are eventually forgotten. So here's a quiz for you. Which comedian was at the centre of the longest-running sitcom on commercial television? Was it Tommy Cooper? Charlie Drake? Morecambe and Wise? In fact, it was Dickie Henderson, a long-dead song-and-dance comedian whose name now draws a blank with anyone under 60. If Max Wall is remembered at all, it's for the eccentric walk he did as his alter ego Professor Wolofsky the walk that many said presaged Michael Jackson. Until the 1950s, Max Wall, like Dickie Henderson, was one of the biggest stars in Britain, a massive live draw with his own hugely popular radio series and starring roles in West End theatre. And then the scandals hit. His marriage broke down and resulted in him committing the cardinal sin of running off and marrying the current Miss Great Britain. It was the familiar tale of a successful career sacrificed on the altar of the news of the world. But in the 1970s, he made a spectacular comeback. Firstly, he played the failed comedian Archie Rice in a revival of John Osborne's The Entertainer. And the critics unanimously said his performance was better than Laurence Olivier's when the latter created the role. There followed an equally acclaimed performance in Samuel Beckett's Crap's Last Tape, and then as Estragon in Waiting for Godot. A look at his career leading up to this means that his success as Archie Rice came as no surprise. After the Sunday papers trashed his career, Max went from a star of stage and screen to touring northern working men's clubs to make ends meet. By all accounts, he was very good at this but still had to deal with audiences who heckled or ignored him while they waited for the stripper to come on. But save for a few bit parts in films, the 1960s were Max Wall's wilderness years. Then, in the early 70s, he was picked up by the group Mott the Hoople, who booked him as their support act. Imagine going to see your favourite band in 1972, and having to sit through a weird little old man while you waited for the group to appear. This gives you some idea of how well Max went down with most of the crowd. 
He knew what it was like to die on stage, and he knew what it was to need to pick yourself up for the next show where the same thing would happen, and the next. And earlier in his career, he shared variety bills with has-been and never were comedians, still managing to plaster on Lachner makeup for another night of torment. So, when Archie Rice says the words, Look at these eyes. I'm dead. Behind these eyes, I'm dead. Max Wall knew exactly what the character he played was talking about. But if this was merely about the Indian summer of Max Wall, previously washed-up comedian, I wouldn't be discussing him now. Because once he put his career back on track via legitimate theatre, he returned to his comedy roots by staging a two-hour, one-man show called Aspects of Max Wall. And that's the show I saw when I turned 16. I wouldn't have known this at the time, but the reason his success in the one-man show tied in with his success playing Beckett was that Max Wall was probably the last genuine example of a pre-television era clown. The clown has suffered a bad press in recent years, seen as either a joyless circus act or an excruciating Piero with a painted tear under the left eye. At worst, the clown has become synonymous with serial killers like John Wayne Gacy or the more recent versions of Batman's archenemy, the Joker. I always hated circuses, and by the time I was 16, the cloying pathos of silent clowns such as Charlie Chaplin or Harry Langdon rendered them unwatchable. The only exception was Buster Keaton, whose stone-faced acceptance of the physical and mental torture of simply trying to get through the day in one piece spoke the most fundamental truth an adolescent in the 1970s could grasp. Shit happens. I was always a fan of the Marx Brothers, but however brilliant Harpo was as a physical comedian, he was fortunate that his antics were balanced by the verbal dexterity of Groucho and Chico. I have their early films on DVD, and always skip forward during the bits where he's alone or when he plays the harp. To see aspects of Max Wall was to see all the energy and elegance and skill and chaos of the Marx Brothers distilled into one person. His shape-shifting physicality gave us a stage presence able to be as charming as Fred Astaire one moment and as repulsive as Gollum the next. His act reached back to the great silent stars, to Dan Leno and Little Titch, all the way back to Joseph Grimaldi and beyond. But it was his stage patter, the way he worked the audience, with total nonsense, and just the right measure of couldn't-care-less, screw-you-if-you-don't-find-this-funny acid, just below the surface, that I remember most. Have a look at archive footage of almost any comedian from Max's heyday, be it Arthur Askey or Max Miller, and you'll see someone who, however good, gives off the feeling of desperately wanting to be liked. But it was clear that Max Wall couldn't give a toss whether he was liked or not, and that made us love him all the more. And the chutzpah with which he analysed his comedy, and our reaction to it, places him as the true godfather of alternative comedy. That's right. Not Peter Cook, not Spike Milligan, and definitely not Alexis Sale. 
Max was doing meta-comedy before Stuart Lee and James Acaster had even been thought of. You can watch a long extract of Aspects of Max Wall from the early 1980s on YouTube, filmed at the Greenwich Theatre. After my long peon to a great clown, you'll as likely wonder what was all the fuss about, to which I give the standard answer about a filmed live performance unable to recapture the magic. You had to be there. I was there. At the time, I was torn about what direction my career might take as I passed from awkward child to awkward adult. Many people who went on to become performers will talk at length about seeing Judy Dench as Lady Macbeth or Anthony Scher as Richard III. In my case, it was decided by a wiry old man who, having caused endless and by now agonising laughter in a packed house on my 16th birthday, ended with the world-weary comment of I suppose I'd better do the silly walk now. That's what you all came for. And then he did the walk. That was The Walk, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then why not hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. And I'll see you next time 